Sing a little louder. 
the storm louder and louder you're gonna hear my praises roar up from the ashes hope will arise death is defeated the king is alive i'm gonna sing in the middle of the storm louder and louder you're gonna hear my welcome you here today lord and we pray that uh, we would just lift up your name when we worship you in spirit and in truth we pray for brother daryl's he delivers your word god speak to each heart in jesus name i pray amen let the king of my heart be the mountain where I run, the fountain I drink from, oh, he is my song. Let the king of my heart be the shadow where I hide, the ransom for my life, oh, he is my song. You are Good, good, oh, 
when the night is holding on to me God is holding on when I'm at my end you're just getting started when I hit a wall you just walk through when I face a mountain you are the maker so it's gotta move I'm out of faith you are still faithful when I'm at my worst you are still good and all of my questions still on your throne so whatever i'm feeling i still got a reason to praise
Good morning again. If you have your Bible, let's go to Matthew chapter 4. Again, we're looking at uh, the book of Matthew on Sundays, and we've been dealing with the temptation of Christ and the wilderness, Satan's temptation of Christ. This will be the last temptation. It's actually the one in the middle. We looked at the last one last week, so this is the third one. It's actually in the middle of the text, Matthew chapter 4. We'll look at verse 1 read it slowly, and then we'll look at the, the temptation itself, 5 through 7. So Matthew 4, we'll look at verse 1, and then 5 through 7. The title page is Joy, J-O-Y, and we'll deal with that a lot more here in a little bit. There's an outline of this on the back side of your announcements. I encourage you to use that this morning, maybe a little more, encourage a little more than I usually do. Matthew 4, 1, temptation of... Jesus. We'll probably take a break from Matthew next Sunday's Father's Day. And so here we go, Matthew chapter 1. Now read carefully, stay here just a little bit, back, way back at the beginning of the temptation. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit. Now that's what I want you to see. Now Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness. Now, immediately to verse 5, the second temptation, the first one was the bread, turn the bread to uh, stones to bread. The last one was show you all the kingdoms of, of, of the world. The second one, then the devil took him up. Now, you remember verse 1, right? The Spirit led him up. And this temptation, after the stones to bread, that temptation, the second one going up on the pinnacle of the temple, then the devil took him up. Both those are true. So the spirit led him into the wilderness, and this temptation, Satan leads him. So the spirit leads him, Satan leads him, okay? Still true, isn't it? It is. Still true. Holy Spirit leads us. Satan leads us. How do you know the difference? Okay, <laughs> that's what we're at church for. Okay, the Holy Spirit leads us. Satan leads us. It's still true. It's true of Jesus. It's true of us. 
Okay, I want you to see that. Vitally important that you see that. That's why Matthew includes it. Okay, the devil took him up into the holy city, set him on the pinnacle of the temple. And I'm not going to go into all the, the technical stuff there, but the temple is built on the edge of the Kidron Valley. That's the, that's the, that is the valley Jesus walks through to go up to the Garden of Gethsemane on that uh, last night. So the temple is built on the edge of the Kidron Valley, uh, huge drop-off. And so the temple's very tall to start with, and that's probably where Satan takes him, up to the edge there, to the, to the, the, the pinnacle, the high point. They can see down, in, see down into the valley. How, I don't know how many hundreds of feet tall that that would be set him up on the pinnacle of the temple. And he said to them, if you are the son of God, and remember that temptation happened with the stones to bread too, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, if you are who you say you are, uh, throw yourself down, for it is written, uh, he shall give his angels charge over you. Basically, the, Satan's saying, the Bible says, He'll give you, he shall give his angels charge over you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. So obviously Satan's taking him up to the temple and said, jump off. God will take care of you. Do this. God's going to take care of you, right? Isn't that what God said? He, isn't that what the Bible says that he would do? Do this. So the devil leads Jesus to do something, convincing him, trying to convince him, that God will take care of you. Can you at all see that possibility going on in your life? That the devil's leading you to do something, you don't know it's him, but the, he's leading you to do something and telling you the whole time, this is godly. God will take care of you. God's, God's, uh, I, I, okay, let's move on. In verse 7, Jesus said to him, it is written again, but let's go back to Scripture. You shall not tempt the Lord your God. The devil is tempting Jesus to tempt God. What's that mean? We're going to talk about that a little bit. Let's do this first because we're going to end up with this, and I want to not get this out of the way. I don't mean it like this, but let's go to the next screen. This is also on the back side of, of your announcements if you're using the hard, co hard copy. Joy, it was on the title page, Joy, J-O-Y, Jesus, others, and then you. And I've stacked them like that on purpose. Jesus first, others, and then you. Joy. That's a recipe for life. That's the order where life really begins to work. And we'll come back to that. Okay. Tempting God. And that was the temptation to tempt God. What does that mean? Doing things that God has not told you to do. And then you trusting that God's going to take care of you anyway. 
that's tempting God. I'm going to go ahead and do this, and God's going to take care of it. When the truth is, God never really told you to do that. Now, there's a struggle, and I'm not going to tell you it's an easy one. I'm not going to give you 10 simple steps to figure out the difference because that's a lot of what Christian life is. Is the Holy Spirit leading me to do this, or am I just convincing myself to do this, or is Satan tempting me to do this? There is not a devil worshiper in the house. I get that. Okay? Uh, devil, Devil worshipers tend to not come to church here. Okay, it's just I, I know that's not the issue. But uh, in this story, I realize Jesus knows this is Satan staring me in the face. My life uh, style, and I'm going to assume probably yours is, that we get this, the devil trying to lead us to do things, but we're not really sure it's him. There's, there's the problem. Is the Holy Spirit leading me to do this? Or is Satan leading me to do this? And here's the problem. It's not always that obvious. Okay? Because the devil uses scripture. Oh, it's okay. The Bible says it's okay. The Bible says God will take care of you. Just go ahead and do it. There's the struggle. I still struggle with that. God, I'm not sure. Are you leading me to do this? Or is this some kind of satanic trick? You know? All right, I, I wrestle with that too. Here's some things to look at. Here's some things to ask yourself because it's not always easy to know the difference. So here's what we ask ourselves. What am I doing? What is it that, that I'm questioning? I'm just not sure. Is God leading me to do this? Is Satan leading me to do this? What is this thing that is the... Uh, the, the question, what am I doing? Where am I going? I, I, I could use the word where. Where am I going? Is that really where the Holy Spirit's leading me? Or is the devil behind this? You know, I don't want that. There's not a devil worshiper in the room. There's not anybody in the room who wants the devil to lead them. Okay? I know that. There's the problem. But he can and he's going to sneak around and sniff his way around and do whatever he can to get you to do what, you, what God doesn't want you to do. And then he's going to say, well, God will take care of you anyway. Going ahead and doing what God has not told you to do and trusting God's going to take care of you is tempting God. Okay? So the question is, what am I doing? What is the issue? Where am I going? Where, is this... What is the issue in your life? Mine's going to be different than yours. We've all got to find that. So what is the issue? Okay, the next one. Why do I really want to do it? Why? I'm wrestling over, should I do it? I'm wrestling over, should I do this? I'm wrestling over, is this where I should go? Why do I really want to do it? That's a good question to ask yourself. Why do I want to do it? Why do I have this temptation to do it? Up on the pinnacle of the temple, Jesus jumps off. What a popular thing. Every temptation, I'm, I know I'm getting ahead of myself and, and we'll come to the screen, but every temptation of Jesus will come back around again when he gets to the 
is to the cross. What a popular thing. Everybody would see me. Everybody would know it. Everybody, what, what, a, what a tremendous thing to do this in front of the crowd. And God the Father would save me. And, but that's not what the Holy Spirit's asked me to do. So why? Why do you want to do it? Why? Why do you want to go there? Why do you want to have that relationship? Why? Why? You know, there's a difference between lust and love, right? Love gives, lust gets. Why do I want to have that? Why do I want to be married to my wife? Is it so I, what I can get? See, that's lust. Or is it what I can give? That's love. Why do you want to do it? Next one. Who am I doing it for? Who, who am I doing it for? Am I doing it for me? Am I, why am I doing it? Who am I doing it for? Why do I want to do this? Who am I doing it for? Tough questions to ask yourself. And some of you say, man, I wish you'd move, move on because just, just leave me alone. Let, you know, let, let me do it. But then we, we, uh, we want to do what the Holy Spirit wants us to do, and we want God to help us and take care of us and bless it, but he can't do that if he hasn't asked us to do it in the first place. So why do I want to do it? Who do I want to do it for? And this is where I was getting ahead of myself, the next screen. All three temptations will culminate again at the cross of Jesus Christ. Every temptation was a shortcut. Turn this bread in, uh, stone into bread for you. And again, I'll mention, I cannot think of a miracle that Jesus performed for himself. Turn these stones into bread for you. And Jesus said, no, that's not what the Father sent me to do. Jump off the temple. He'll, he'll take care of you. Just, just go ahead and do it. I mean, I mean the Father's going to take care of you. Don't, don't worry about it. Just go ahead and do it. And then uh, show him all the kingdoms of the world. And take this shortcut and I'll give it to you. Jesus is heading to the cross, the greatest sacrifice ever given. And he has... I don't know, it's a deep theological thought, the choice to not do it. Sacrificing himself, giving of himself. I think in the Garden of Gethsemane, on that night before the cross, when Jesus is kneeling down and the three disciples are with him and they go to sleep, and he's sweating as if great drops of blood I think all these temptations are coming to him again. This is like the greatest test. Are you going to really give yourself? Are you going to really sacrifice yourself for people who don't even care? Is this what you're going to do? And Jesus on that night said, yes. So all the temptations, there's, there's shortcuts to take. You don't have to do it that way. Don't give yourself for someone else. Okay, back to the word, and the acronym JOY. And we're going to finish the last screen that you're going to see is uh, used by God. And that's what Je- obviously Jesus was. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, he passed that great test used by God more than anybody ever has been. Okay, what about you? Do you even care? Do you care anything about those three words on the 
screen. Used by God. God using you to do something. God using you to accomplish something. God working through you. God uh, performing his purpose through you. I mean, God using you. I'm, I know a lot of people, some people don't care, but I know some do. And some have a great hunger to be used by God. God use me. Man, I could say that so many different ways, but one, this is how I think. God, I do not want to waste my precious time that you have given me. I do not want to waste one more day. I do not want to waste my life. I've got one life to live, and time is clicking by, and I cannot stop the clock no matter what I do. I don't have very much time left. God, I want to be used while I can be used, while there is time. That's how I put it. That's what I think about. Used by God, okay? Now, let's go back, and I'm not going to change the screen, but in your mind, let's go back to that word joy. Jesus, others, you. There is the order. Jesus, then others, and then you. Putting Jesus first. Now, I mean, every preacher says that. Put Jesus first. I mean, it, we say that all the time. But now we're talking about really living that out. Putting Jesus first. Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and he was led by Satan up to the temple. Both can be going on. Obviously, I hope, I think, everybody in the room wants the Spirit to lead us. Putting Jesus first, okay? In everything. Now, the order's got to be right. It's Jesus, others, and then you. Jesus before others. Now, here's the thing. To be used by God means that he's going to use you to help, encourage, to reach others, other people. But you can't put those people ahead of Jesus. And there's going to be the temptation to get the order wrong. It's Jesus, others, and then you. Because what happens as you begin to really take that seriously and Jesus begins to use you, he's going to use you to reach other people. You can't let that get to you, okay? You can't let that become the priority. And it happens, okay? Uh, it happens in two ways. First of all, you can be successful, you really begin to be used by God, and you begin to reach, encourage, whatever. You begin to learn to pray for. You begin to learn to talk to. You begin to learn just however you do that, you begin to learn to affect other people for Christ, and you actually begin to be successful. And that can get, get to you, and, and that becomes the priority. You can't do that. 
It's always got to be Jesus first. Now, the other way it works is the discouraging part, and there's going to be that. There's going to be both. There's going to be both sides to this, to this coin. There's going to be the successful times, but then there's going to be the times where uh, it, it's, just, it's just not going well. It's just not going well. People are unthankful. People are discouraging. People don't, re don't respond well. They don't, you know, it's, it's just not going well. And you can let that get you down and you say, well, I'm just going to quit. You know, you can't ever let the order get out of, get out of whack. It's always got to be Jesus first. Here it is. Why are you doing it? Why are you doing whatever it is that the Lord is calling you to do? Why are you doing it? Who are you doing it for? Why are you doing it? If you're doing it because somebody, a person asks you to do it, it's not, it's, it's not good enough. And then if you're doing it for them, well, I mean, you, you, you got to get this in your head. I mean, aren't you saying that Jesus uses us to reach them? They're why we're doing it. Yeah, but who asked you to do it? Did the Holy Spirit ask you to do it? I'll go back to something I've used a lot. I don't know if I've ever used it quite like this, but C.H. Uh, Spurgeon, 100 years ago, talking about the theology of Calvinism, which this is not going to be a theological thing. I'm just using this as a tool. But in Calvinism, that he taught was that people will be saved or lost. Doesn't matter what you do or I do, people will be saved or lost. God has designed some people to be saved. God has designed some people to be lost. And nothing we do is going to change that. That's Calvinism. Okay, we don't teach that here, but Spurgeon did. Very successful at it. So the question was, well, Mr. Spurgeon, if you believe that people will be lost or saved no matter what you do, no matter what you preach, why do you preach? I don't like his theology. I love his answer. And many of you heard me do this. Why, why do you preach? Because Jesus told me to. Because Jesus told me to. And I'm not going to quit. And he didn't. I don't like the theology, but I, lo but I love the answer. Why are you doing it? Who are you doing it for? I'm doing it to reach you. Why am I here this morning? I'm doing this to reach you. But who told me to do it? Jesus did. Who am I doing it for? Jesus. Okay. Boy, I shouldn't even say this. If you... If you respond to the message, if you come and pray, if, if you respond in any way, that's great. I'm still going to preach. If you don't respond to the message, if it doesn't affect you in any way, that's not great, but I'm still going to preach. Why? Because you didn't ask me. Jesus did. You didn't call me. Jesus did. I'm doing it for you, for him. Jesus first. Jesus First, and you can't ever get the order wrong or you're going to quit. You're going to give up. You're going to back up. You're going to get discouraged. And so you say, oh, what's, what's the use? It's got to be Jesus first to be used by God. I promise you, 
I mean, absolutely no doubt in my mind, if you decide that you are going to be used by God, you will be tested in that unlike any other test you've ever had. You will face, <clears throat> face some kind of dis discouragement probably unlike any other discouragement you've ever had. And you better get in your mind and in your heart and in your soul, who are you doing it for? Jesus. Why am I doing it? Jesus. Jesus. Jesus first, then others, and then you. I'm going to take others and you at the same time. I think you understand that other people comes next, that I've been called by God to reach, encourage, pray for, help, whatever, reach to be used by God for other people. So I'm trying to do that, and then I'm going to put myself last. Okay, I wrote this down on my note. I want you to remember that you are not better than anyone, <laughs> but you are not like anyone else. Okay. Jesus, others, and then you. You put yourself last. You're not better than anyone you're going to have to remind yourself over and over, I am not better than anyone. I don't know what it is about people. I could just stop right there. I don't know what it is about pe people. I don't know what it is about people that have this sense that if you think you're better than them, they know it. They feel it. I don't know how they know that. But they just know it. There's this sense within them that you think you're better than, than I am. And if you really do, they're going to know that. Okay, all right. So you have to bring yourself down. You have to, the Bible says, humble yourself. You have to constantly humble yourself and remind yourself, I've been saved by grace. I'm not better than anybody. I've been saved by grace. I'm just as bad as, every, as everyone else. The only difference between me and anyone else is Jesus. I've been saved by grace. I'm not better than anyone. But you're also not like them because you're not like anyone else. You're not like anyone else. You're you. Don't lose that. God has called you to be, it's Jesus, others who you're not better than them, but you're not like them. Why? Because you're like you. I want you to see this. When the people you're trying to help and people you're trying to reach, when they finally come to themselves, when they, they, they finally take a look at themselves and say, you know what? I'm ready to change my life. You know what? I need help. Whatever I'm doing, whatever condition that I'm in, whatever place I'm, I'm in, I need, I need help. I need somebody to help me. They're going to look around, and they're going to look for people who can, who can help them. They're going to look for somebody. Here's the key. They're going to look for somebody who's different than them to help them. But that person that they're going to look for who's different than them cannot give the impression that they're better than them. 
So they're struggling with an issue in life. They're struggling with an addiction. They're struggling with a relationship. They're just struggling, and I just cannot go on like this. I've got to have some help. Who can help me? Who can pray for me? Who can lead me out of this? Who can I think of that can help me? They're going to think of somebody who's different than them, but not better than them. That's where you come in. You're not better than anybody, but you're not like them. That's tricky. That is really tricky. But that's what works. I can go to him. I can go to her. And they care, and they will pray, and they will, they, they do have, I, I've, I've learned this, I'm trying to learn this, is when you're talking to people, you're talking to that person. Okay, I'm going to get really plain with you here. When I go into the hospital, I turn my cell phone off. Why? I'm not going to sit there in the hospital room talking on my cell phone because I, I came to see that person. When you come to see me in my study, if, if you've been in my study, which most, which most of you have, if you've been in my study, I don't know if, if you just walked in or what, but I, take, I have the phone. If I'm sitting at my desk, I have the phone on the left. I've got one of those real old-fashioned phones. It's got a cord that leads and plugs into the wall, and I take, that, I take the receiver off and, and, and unhook, un undo the phone. What is the term for that? I take the receiver off the hook. Do we call it a hook? Okay, I'm stuck on that. I cannot get that out of my head. I take the receiver off. I take the cell phone out of my pocket and put it in my desk drawer and turn it off. Why? I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. You just don't know how important it is when you're talking to someone that you're talking to them and they're talking to you. What's that do? It lets them know you have time for them. You have time for them. I do not answer my cell phone while I'm talking to you. My cell phone's in my wife's purse. It's turned off. I do not talk on my cell phone while I'm talking to you. Is that a big deal? It is to the person I'm talking to. Now, it may not seem like a big deal, and I don't know that they always get that and recognize that, but what that gives them, the impression is that I have time for them. In our world to, today, can you just kind of get a feeling for how big that is? That, I, that I, have, I want them to have the impression that I have time for them, because I do. I want, the, I want to give the, the, them the impression that I care about them, that they're important to me, and that their story is important to me, okay? I'm not better than them, but I'm not like them. I'm not better than you, but I'm not like you. Do you see the difference? And when, so when you look, are looking for somebody to pray for you or to help you, you're always going to look for somebody who's different than you. 
Why would anybody go looking for help from somebody who's just like them, who's just in bad a shape as they are? If you're looking for somebody to pray for you, you're looking for somebody who actually prays. Not somebody, you see the difference. You're looking for somebody who's different. That needs to be you. If you're fitting in with all of your friends, how are you going to help them? How are you going to reach them if you are just like them? If all of us dress the same, talk the same, act the same, pray the same, if we're all spiritually just going to just try to just all be exactly the same, then how can any of us reach each other? I hope you see that. I know I'm, I'm beating a dead horse, but this is so important. And this is like the one thing I believe the Holy Spirit wants me to tell you is you've got to stop trying to act like everyone else. God will not use that. I don't need to, uh, I was going to say Billy, Billy Graham, he used to use him when he was alive, but God doesn't need a, me to be Billy Graham. He's already got that. So whoever the preacher is, God doesn't need me to be that. He needs me to be me. And he needs you to be you. What has God made you to be? What has God gifted you? How has he used you? It's not going to be like anyone else. It's going to be you. And when other people need that and are looking for help and searching for that, they're going to think about you. Used by God. It's Jesus first. Others and then you. But others is not you, and you are not them. They will turn to you as they see Jesus working through you. I'm going to ask the musicians to come, and we're going to pray. I want us to think about, pray about, think about reaching, helping ministering to each other and other people in our life. That's what this is going to be about. About God using us, but let's get it really more specific, about God using me. God using me to reach you and whoever else. God using me. Now, I want that thought to go through your mind as we get ready to pray. So I'm going to ask you to stand. And here's two things to pray about. There's always two sides to this prayer coin. Who is it that maybe you have on your heart that God has burdened you, is leading you, Two, a person that uh, you can help, that you can encourage. Let me put it to you this way. Let me get more specific with you. Someone that you've been praying for, and maybe this is a step you need to take. I don't know. Somebody that you've been praying for, for example, 
and you've never told them that you're praying for them. You've never actually talked to them about it. Somebody that uh, you are burdened for, you, you can't get them out of your mind. The Holy Spirit's at work. He's burdened you with this person. You can't get their name out of your mind. You can't get their face out of your mind. You're burdened for them. Have you ever told them that? The point is, are you maybe need to take the next step? Maybe you need to take another step being used by God. So you're praying for them, and you may want to come this morning and pray for them. And then you may want to pray about that. Do I need to take, is it time for the next step? I need to talk to this person. Or I need to write this person. Or I need to contact this person. Okay? You, need to, you may need to come this morning and pray about that. And you may need to come this morning and pray about you. God, I'm, I'm convicted about what I've been trying to be. I'm, I've been trying to be like everybody else. I'm trying to fit in with everybody else. And the Holy Spirit's telling me right now, that's not what I've called you to. I, d I didn't make you for that. That's not what you're supposed to do. That's, that's not you. God, I'm trying to act like somebody else. That's not you. You need to be you, who God made you. And God, I need to come and pray about that. I really do. I need to come and pray about that, that I can just be me and that God can use that. God can use me just as I am because I'm not better than anybody. But I, I need to be just me, who the Holy Spirit made, who Jesus made me to be. You may need to come and pray for someone else that's, that you're burdened about. And you may need to come and pray for you. And you may need to come and pray for both. I know I do. I'm not better than anybody. As the band plays and sings, if you need to come and pray for someone, you need to come and pray for yourself. And when people come to the altar, let's come and pray with them and help them. So as the band plays and sings, if you want to come this morning and just pray, we invite you to come.